Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I'm Andrew Comero, Autistic Certified Financial Planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lamb. Hey everyone, I'm Eileen Lamb, and in this podcast, we want to highlight real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but also real people talking about their boring life. Basically, we want to give a voice to people like us. So today, our guest is Liz Mickles. I think I said that correct. Uh, and if I uh, did, my- I... Yeah, it's Michaels. <laughs> Michaels, sorry. That's what I thought at first, but then I tried too hard. Um, and got no, so far, no, but okay. in the end, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, even before the doctors told Liz Michael's parents, uh, they had little faith she could take the normal route through school. She knew something about her was different. When the diagnosis of autism came, she knew what that was. From that point on, Liz made one of her goals in life to help autistic people like herself advocate and understand the world that is autism. Now a college graduate with a certification in early childhood education, she is able to practice patience and kindness and service to the goal every single day. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It means a lot. Hey, Liz. Uh, thanks for joining us. We uh, start by asking all our guests what uh, pronouns uh, they prefer, you know, she, her, he, him, they, anything, and also uh, what's your autism identity? Is it person with autism, on the spectrum, autistic? Do you have any preference or do you not care? Um, so I'm she and her. Those are my pronouns. And um, I, I kind of like to mix it up a little bit, like pers- somebody with autism, uh, autistic, that kind of thing. I mean, like I, um, I said, uh, again, mixing it up. Um, so it doesn't matter like what anyone really says, just, to, you know, if autism is a part of who I am. So as long as that's in the vocabulary, that it works for me. <laughs> Thank you uh, for that. Yeah. When were you diagnosed with autism? So back in, I want to say I was three years old back in like 1992. Um, they, they didn't really know exactly what there was very little like research with autism. So they called it like a severe delay. And, um, but it was, it, autism was just coming out as I was getting diagnosed, but they still were calling it a severe delay. So I kind of, as I went through school, you know, they just kept saying like, oh, this is a delay. This is a delay. And at one point I saw one doctor and at the, t- um, I saw a doctor. And at one point, the new thing at the time was bipolar disorder, where bipolar disorder was really coming out. So I got diagnosed with that. And, you know, my mom and or both my parents were like, mm, let's get it like a second opinion. And Sure enough, I, I got a doctor I clicked with. He said, this isn't bipolar. This isn't ADHD. This is what at the time they called it Asperger syndrome, but I know they also now call it high functioning autism. And he said, this is exactly what I'm seeing. And just from there, like he didn't make it like uncomfortable or anything. If anything, you know, he just said, this is, you know, this is who a part of you, you know, and just kept moving me forward. I saw him up until I was in college. So, um, but it was, it was a, when I got to that doctor, he, he was very positive and tried to be, look at the bright outcome of things. What, uh, what were your um, struggles when you were uh, a child? What made the, 
the doctors, your parents, you uh, feel different? How, how did you know? Um, I, so I was like in ninth grade, I was like sitting in my classroom and just, I would try to have like conversations with my peers and just something just wasn't clicking. Like, so the social interactions, like I felt like I had to try really, really hard to get attention from my peers and like friendships. And then I would also like, because I wasn't looked at, I was being looked at differently. Um, I sat alone a lot at like lunchtime or like I had a friend. But um, I also knew like some of the stuff like the um, I noticed I had to be like on a routine at all times. Um, luckily, my mom is a school teacher and um, she's worked with she works with um, children on the spectrum. She knows she knew like, OK, she really needs the routine. Um, another thing is also I wasn't catching up to understanding um, like kind of like the basics of the world, if that makes sense. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, conversation, sarcasm, that kind of thing. So like social cues were really off. I was also having like motor, it motor difficulty. Like I had to work with an OT, um, in school. And also just, I noticed when, if something mean was said to me, I had a really hard time shaking it off. Like it, it's like, for me, a peer could be like, ah, I don't care what you what you say, tell, say to me. But for me, it's like, it took like a week to get over it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. I can, uh, I can relate to that. Yes, yeah, yes. I, I don't know if it's an autism thing, but yeah, I feel like pretty sensitive or like, I would, yes. I'll never forget if someone <laughs> does no, something you won't. to me. <laughs> I, I agree, very sensitive. And I know saying that yes. helps. Sorry, yeah, I won't forget it's, that you just said that. I see. There you go. On November 4th at 544, Andrew said that I'm very sensitive and I never forget. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I do agree. And that's something like right now I'm kind of like not researching, but kind of figuring out like, hmm, like are people with autism, is the, are their bodies sensitive? Like, it, are they just, do they have a sensitivity that maybe some people don't have? Like, that is a question like I go, I like, and I don't look at it a negative or positive, just like, like a question, like I'm wondering. <laughs> so, so speaking of that, you know, talking about, you know, thinking about autism in general, um, mm -hmm. you're an autism advocate, but what does it mean for you to be an autism advocate? So for me, what it means for me to be an autism advocate is respecting everybody on the spectrum. And just whether you're low, you're high, or you're in between, like, you know, um, and also respecting everybody's stories, like, you know, not if, say like for me, if you've met somebody with, if you've met me and I have autism, you've met me and I have autism, like there, but there, I'm not the only story out there. Like everybody's stories like need to be heard. And for me being an advocate, it's just respecting everybody and just being kind and you know, showing the world, like introducing other people, introducing other peers who have autism as well. Just so for me, being an advocate is being a selfless person and just getting to understand other people who are on the spectrum, whether it's on the lower end or the higher end or in the, in, like in the middle. What, uh, what type of autism advocacy do you do? Do you do social media? Do you do anything else outside of um, social media? Um, I do social media. I also, I, I also, as you can see, I have my t-shirt on. It's uh, grow your awareness. Um, 
I do, I just, I really do talk about autism um, at my job. I'm a cafe attendant at Christina's Kitchen. They're very supportive of autism advocacy. And um, one of the things that I do is I, I wear my t-shirts. Um, I also blog as well too. too. And um, I just get that voice out there. Like I participate in discussion boards, like especially on social media. Um, I share my story whenever I can, or like, um, I also uh, write to family, different families who, you know, who may have just gotten a diagnosis or just, you know, or, um, they, or they're living with a diagnosis. Like I'm just in it. I'm all over the place. Like I, I do whatever I can and I participate in any time, anything I can to be an advocate. I like your, your shirt. What do you think of the puzzle piece? I mean, I cannot answer um, my own question, but. Um, so for me, the puzzle piece to me is not a negative thing necessarily. I just look at it as a piece of my life on um, uh, a piece of my life. Like that's part of my big puzzle. Like, so I just look at it as like autism. Okay. Is here's my piece, piece of the puzzle. Here's autism. And then it's like the, the thousands of other pieces that go along with Liz, but autism just happens to be one of the pieces. If that makes sense. Yep. I don't, I don't look, I do respect other people who may not like it, but for me, I like it. I look at it as a positive thing. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a really good way just to go about things that there are people yes. who are different and just that, you know, you respect them and, you know, yes. I, that doesn't sound like a lot to ask. Um, exactly. You know, how do you, exactly. and so one thing I want to ask about so you have a golden re golden retriever. Tell us more. Oh yes. So um, it, 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 the the story of Bo, <laughs> the story of Bo. He's five years old now, but about five years ago, um, my parents were like, "Okay, we're ready to get a new dog." We had just settled in our home, and so uh, they went to a breeder, and um, they said, "Look, we have a daughter who is autistic, and we really need a dog who." will show love, compassion, and just, you know, if she's sad or has like a, like a, like a meltdown, you know, somebody who, a dog that will just be, um, comforting. And she's like, I'm on it. Like, and so she brought over Bo and me, me and him just clicked immediately. Like he was, a, he was a, one of the friendliest pups ever. And then, um, as, uh, he got older, you know, I, there were times where I did have like would cry or have like a meltdown or got stressed out. And I tell you what, that dog knows when you're sad, he comes and sits right on top of your feet and doesn't move until you are done crying. You're done being upset. Um, he's such a great dog. Like some people have asked me, you know, like, have you ever thought about making him your guide dog? And I haven't. And the reason is she's just one of those things that's like one of my self-care tools. So like, if I'm sad, I go over, give them a pet um, every day after work, whether it's been stressful or not, still the dog is there waiting, like he's waiting there for you. So having him is, has been a great tool and a great self-care tool um, having him. And I love walking him, love, love just having him around because at the end of the day, I know that dog loves me um, whether I'm autistic or not, you know, he, he's just always there and he does, and he's not judgmental. He just loves <laughs> 
I, um, you know, there, there's a joke that if, if you take like, you know, a friend, a spouse or somebody and you take your dog and you just lock them in the trunk of your car for an hour uh-huh. and you come back, the dog doesn't care why you left. It's just happy <laughs> yes. you're back. Yes. Eileen yes. would not be so happy if I locked her in a trunk of the car <laughs> for an hour. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty happy. cozy in there. Yeah. <laughs> dog pees all over you too. So, Yeah. But yes, he's been a very, he's been a very good companion to have as a dog. And like I said, if, if I am having a meltdown or like an anxiety attack, he never judges. He just comes over, wags his tail. He's like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait till you feel better. And that's what he does. That's what he does for my, me and my whole family. But he's, he's been a big help for me. That's good. We we have a golden too. I don't know. I feel like golden are just they're the best dogs. I mean, don't get me yes. wrong. I love my Yorkie, but George <laughs> or Golden is just, there's something, I feel like they're just like here to make humans happy. Like you can tell like that they just want to make you happy. You know, they're yes. just such, there's, yeah. So such good natured. I think that's the expression. Yes. Yes. Um, you, uh, I, I want to go back to your, your, your diagnosis because, you know, my kids are at school now and Charlie has, mm-hmm high needs and he's really struggling at school despite you know being in a special needs classroom he's already at his second school of the year I mean I know you follow me and you know a little bit about it but I'm curious because you were diagnosed um in the 90s is that right yeah I was diagnosed yep early 90s so how was that at school like did they provide any support uh, after your diagnosis Um, was there anything they did that didn't turn out so good like tell us about it so I did so some education so with um, some teachers, there was positivity. Um, music, especially one of my favorite classes was music. And as you know, I, I love music. So that was a really helpful tool. They also gave me, I also met with the school psychologist frequently. And he was really helpful too as well. But um, the one thing that really like clicked with my, really clicked with me. And I can tell you to this day, was my occupational therapist who came to see me at, and what was cool is I didn't even know she was my occupational therapist to me. I was like, Oh, it's my friend. It's my friend coming to visit me. And it was just, it was just so cool because, um, she would come, she would help me. She would write and help me write, learn to hold a pencil, practice my cursive. But the most thing I did struggle with in elementary school was tying, tying my shoes and cutting. And my, some of my teachers, I'm not gonna um, lie, uh, got very frustrated with me as, um, and, you know, I do see it sometimes with teachers, they get frustrated when they don't have patience. I mean, everyone has a bad day, but as a teacher, I do feel like, you know, if you know somebody is struggling, like you gotta just, you know, keep it together. Um, So uh, when I would tell her, hey, when my mom would tell, be my voice at my IEP meetings, she would say, this is the top two things Liz is struggling with right now are tying her shoes and cutting. So my uh, OT, and I'm not going to lie to you, like 20 some years later, I still tie my shoes to this day, the way she taught me. And um, just, she was definitely one person that never gave up on me. Um, another school teacher, another teacher that didn't give up on me was my music teacher in elementary school. She knew I loved music and she actually, we still keep in touch to this day. 
And um, she, I even told her, I said, thank you so much for, you know, introducing me to music. Cause that's one of my passions is like looking is researching artists and listening to music and learning different um, tunes and, you know, genres, like without, without music, like, I could I can't even begin to fathom but in school though I definitely struggled I did there was an incident incident where um I I'm left-handed and so the one student teacher took the pencil out of my hand and shut it into my right hand and was like you need to use your right hand because I was the only left-hander in the classroom so um I did have struggles I did have you know I did have some teachers who would I roll and just like they don't have time for this but in the end, though, with the negativity, it's made me one of the reasons why I want to be a voice for those with autism, because in the end, they they need people to not give up on them. They're struggling themselves. They need somebody to, like, be their backup, their, like, f- fall, if that makes sense. Yeah. What's so, up? And- yeah, go ahead. Uh, but th- that's but definitely one of the, the the tools that really helped me in school was I al- I also did have a lovely speech teacher too and when I did leave elementary school um, both of them like just hugged me and like wished me well um, but after elementary school like it was like the services kind of stopped and I- I'm not gonna lie I, I think that's kind of wrong <laughs> like it-, it doesn't just stop at elementary school it doesn't stop at age 18 like I do. I, my firm belief is services should be available for everybody. Yeah. I mean, that would be ideal. Yeah. Everyone yes. deserves it. Yes. But even after you're 18. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing that worries me, you know, is that services after a kid turns 18 are just, you know, it's already hard before. Yes. But once you're an adult, a grown up, it's just, and I don't know. I feel like, you know, for me, I'm high functioning. I don't know. People don't like that term. I was waiting to see Andrew's reaction. Uh, but um, it's so hard for kids like like Charlie. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when he's grown up. You know, he has really right. high support needs. And like, what what do you do? You know, right. There are so many different types of, you know, services that could help different people yes. on the spectrum. It's, it's a tough thing to, uh, yeah, to figure out so everyone can get the support just- they deserve. That's yes, exactly. Everybody deserves help in some way. Yeah. Um, what What do you struggle with the most? What's uh, if you could choose one thing to get support? Uh, what would that be? Probably um, for me. Probably uh, for support wise. Probably just having that support for not just autism but just for like anxiety as well because they also don't warn you that some people with autism and luckily with my doctor we're she's very communicative with me she said like she works with patients who are autistic so I go to her and she just said like sometimes with autism there's another I almost wish like they they warned you like along with autism you may have anxiety and depression and it's just just like the, I, for some autistics, like I've read like stories, like it's like they have a whole list of issues. I'm like, good Lord, autism's enough. Like they don't need any more. Yeah. But definitely just like 
definitely just the support I would like to have is just definitely somebody who's understand and just doesn't like sit there and just go, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's tough. I'm sorry. Somebody who like genuinely understands and like really wants to reach out and help. If that make if, if that makes sense at all. So more like a therapist, you need someone to talk to. Is that what you need? Not like, actually, yeah. Uh... Or, and I actually not like a therapist, but I recently found it like a lot of like adult autism support groups like I've 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 found a couple on like Facebook and Instagram and just like some of the people that have reached out it's just amazing like how we have all talked and like we're like yeah we understand each other so Michael one of my goals in life has been always been to find people I can connect with and sure enough like I have I found that it within like um like the social media and just like Uh, facetiming people even just going like exchanging stories yeah that's nice so yeah so you mentioned you consider yourself a wonder woman what do you yes. think about individuals who you advocate for you say you advocate for those who maybe can't speak for themselves like Eileen's right. son and for autism who is not a superpower So how do, uh, are you? So you're asking yeah. How, how do you? That? Yeah. So autism is a superpower for you, but not for others. Just tell us a little bit more about why you call yourself a Wonder Woman. So I don't call. I call myself a Wonder Woman on the spectrum, not because of the, having the power. Like I do. Like especially with this pandemic, I have realized. Like you know, sometimes maybe autism might not be a gift. It can be kind of like. I would say kind of stressful to have at times, especially, like I said, with the pandemic, like it has, it's lit for me, it's literally been like the world just went like upside down. And like, the, again, like with my, my routine, it's kind of changed in a way. I can't really describe how it has, but somebody who doesn't consider it a, a superpower, I completely understand because for me, like being a wonder, being a wonder woman on the spectrum, I use, some people give me that name because I guess it's because I take the time to understand other levels of the spectrum and not just focus on the high end of autism. Like, and like for Eileen's son, like, um, I, I completely understand like, and every aspect of autism like needs to be talked about. And so that's what I would like to also do. And like I said, that I get why people, some people don't get it, it look at it as a superpower. They, it, it can be kind of a burden at times, like, and it can be really frustrating at times, especially with, ki if they can't speak or they're in the middle of a meltdown, like nonverbal kicking, punching, hitting, like, that's not a superpower. It's, it's, you just, you don't want your child, like, in pain, or you want your child to be comfortable. And when you see them like that, it, it can be really hard. So I completely understand why people don't look at it as like, oh my God, it's such a superpower. Because some days it's not. Some days it's like, can be very tiring and very draining. So I completely understand and um, respect people who don't look at it as like this amazing, wonderful thing. That's that's awesome. You know, it's uh, everything you say about how you feel this way, but it's okay if people feel differently. I mean, it's so simple. Yeah. And I wish like more people thought the way you do, like, it's okay. 
yeah if you see your autism like as a superpower for instance as long as you understand that it's not a superpower for everybody else you know yes and, and even for even for me on the hard days like I don't I sometimes like us like I said the, these past two years I mean I don't know about your children Eileen but for me this pandemic has been kind of like a whoa what the heck's going on like, like yeah. trying to process everything so some days for me me and autism don't get along very well I look at it and go man you're being a real burden right now <laughs> where some people can like control handle themselves there are others who who are on the spectrum and they're like what in the world is going on what is what is COVID what is this like when it first started I mean I can't tell you the questions that were flying out of my mouth to my parents I'm like what is it what vaccines coming out, what this, what that, what, and finally, I just like, I finally had to tell my mom, like, this all needs to just stop. I need to, it's almost like, here's like the news. It's like going at a fast pace. And then here's me trying to run behind it. And it's like, I'm trying to like, keep up, like what's going on. So I'm, so the past two years I have been, the past two years, there have been some really tough days where, um, you know, this, pandemic has been extremely overwhelming and extremely to the point where I just, you know, would cry or I would just become so angry because I'm like, what the, I can't keep up with this. Like what's going on? Yeah. I think it's been hard on a lot of people, uh, even yeah. those who are not autistic, but um, even more so for, yes, for us. Um, yes. What, what was your, uh, the subject at school that you struggle with, uh, the most uh, and what was your favorite I think you said it was music yes so music was one of my favorites in elementary school I just I loved it and one of my one of my least favorite subjects or like the subject I struggled with was math like I really struggled with math like it like especially when I got up to middle and high school I was like I don't know what you're talking about like you could be and then they're like well we just went over it and I'm like you and I would look at my teacher and go you can you can go over it 500 times I'm still not going to understand um another but another favorite subject that I really enjoyed was language arts as well um uh, and what was funny what's funny about language arts is I did struggle at first like in elementary and middle like I I don't know if um so I would like read something but not understand what I read. I could read it perfectly, like the cat in the hat. But when the teacher would be like, so what was that about? I could not comprehend. And that was, and going, going back to the, how could you tell you were different? That's, that was one of the things as well, not comprehending what I read or what was spoken to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I grew up Jewish and we're taught to read Hebrew before speaking mm -hmm. Hebrew. So I could actually read Hebrew. I had right. no idea what I was saying the vast majority of the time. <laughs> yes. I had no idea yes. what it meant. So that's the analogy that kind of came to me in my head. I, I could read Hebrew, I could say things, but I, yes. I don't know what I'm saying or, yeah, that's interesting. Yes, I, it, it's so funny. Like I, I was actually moved up to the higher, in second grade, I was moved up to the higher reading level because I could read but when they figured out like I could not understand what I read they were like oh let's move her back down like and I mean I, elementary and middle like I could read it a hundred hundreds 
hundreds of times and I'd be like, I still don't know what I've read. So just that, the memorizing stuff and just now high school, as soon as I got to high school, like 10th, 11th grade, that's when it clicked. And I was like, okay, I got this. Like I, and now being an adult, I can remember exactly what I read. That's good. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny because I was the same way. I was uh, really good at, at reading and, uh, I didn't always understand what I was reading. I mean, I, I didn't understand most of the time or like some things because like I took them, I took them literally. It changed the meaning of the story, which made it harder to understand the next thing happening. Yes. And like, it's not like a spiral effect. And uh, I see that in my youngest son, yes. Jude, who's learning to read right now. It's like, he can remember the words and read them, but he doesn't understand. But, you know, he's honest, right. so it's going to come. And that's frustrating, like for me, especially like I was a really good reader I could read out loud I used to love reading out loud but what looking back on what made and what makes made me kind of sad being like a kid like and I remember sitting there being like I don't I don't know what I just read like I read it but I I don't know what I read like and like the teacher would be like so so they they called me Elizabeth in school I finally just went by Liz as I got older but in school elementary school they're like so Elizabeth what did you just read to us I would be like um I don't know <laughs> like and I and some of them would get frustrated they'd be like you just read it and I'm like I, I don't know <laughs> but um but uh uh reading reading though was reading comprehension is what I should say was yes. one of those really really struggles reading itself did, wasn't reading aloud wasn't but me comprehending what I read was a real struggle and that math yeah uh okay we're going to ask you some quick fire questions okay which means that I ask you questions and you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind okay uh okay are you ready yep ready what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given always believe in yourself. I love it. What do you like to do to relax? Um, take a hot bath. I'm with you. What is your yeah. favorite food? Eggplant Parmesan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, movie or TV show? Um, my favorite TV show. Hmm. Probably, oh gosh, this is a hard one. Probably Hell's Kitchen. Oh, I love that show. I haven't <laughs> Me watched it too. so long. Yeah, I love Gordon cool. Ramsay. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great. He's so, anyway. What's your uh, <laughs> favorite book that's also a movie? Favorite book that's also a movie. Hmm. Well, it does this count? Um, it's about to be made into it's it's just been made into a movie, but my favorite book is Where the Crawdads Sing. I have never read it and I didn't know it was gonna be a movie. Yes. So, but um one recently that I just watched and I did read was Still Alice. And that was about a um young woman who ended up being being one of the youngest women to be diagnosed with all early odds at Alzheimer's. How old was she? Um, in the movie, she was 50, but in real life, the woman was about like 45. She's one of the youngest people to be 
diagnosed with early onsets. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a sad movie, but it was kind of for me, it was pretty powerful to learn to learn about something like that and her seeing her journey. Right. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I want to watch it now. Yeah. We haven't even seen Star Wars, but you're going to watch that. Yeah. (laughs) Hell yes. I mean, uh, we need help. (laughs) I do. We need more support as autistic adults. See what he's doing to me? Yes. Yes. Well, Liz, thank you. Oh, wait. I mean, thank you so much for joining us. I stand by that. But do you want to tell people where to uh, find you online on uh, social media? Um, Yes. So um, Instagram, I am Liz55890712. I'm also Liz Michaels, um, L-I-Z-M-I-C-H-E-L-S on Facebook. And also, I, you know, again, you're welcome to message me and uh, become my friend. You're always welcome at my table of life. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, of course. (laughs) Yes, especially you and Andrew, Eileen. You guys are more than always welcome at my table. Thank you. Well, thank you for helping spread kindness around. It's definitely needed. Yes, anytime, of course. Awesome. Well, you have a good one. Thank you. Yes, you too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.